our uh, honor today to have one of a, a member of our outside council, Charles Patterson, come and share the word with us. Uh, yesterday, I went to the mail, the church mailbox, and I <clears throat> received a book from Asher Intrader from uh, Israel. Uh, the title of the book's Authority. And I thought it's appropriate today. For today, uh, this man, I love it because the authority you walk in is also coupled with humility and servant heart. And that's the, that's the authority that Jesus uh, walked in and seeks to see in his church. And so let's open our hearts to receive what the Lord has put on Charles's heart for us today. Amen. Good morning. Well, it's good to be back here with you. It's been a while. And see some new faces and some old faces. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to be here with you. Glenn invited me to come down and participate in the service and the ordination of uh, Todd Adams as an elder in this house. And so I am, um, I am happy and uh, feel privileged to do that. Uh, <clears throat> Todd and Sarah were very faithful at the church that we pastored for many years and uh, have a great appreciation for them. Uh, Glenn gave me <clears throat> about an hour, <laughs> double portion. So... Uh, Actually, he did not. <laughs> so just pray that I can talk fast. <laughs> um, as I was just thinking about and praying about some things to share with you this morning, I really didn't feel all that led of the Lord to put together a so-called polished message. I don't know that I've ever put together a polished message, but nevertheless, didn't really feel... Uh, inclined to do that. What I really want to do, and what I believe the Lord wants me to do, is just share with you some things that the Lord has been speaking to me and showing me and leading me into in this season of our life. <clears throat> Marquita and I, Marquita is my wife, and she wasn't able to be here with us this morning, and but she sends her love. Marquita and I have been in full-time vocational ministry for 48 years now, and all of that time has been dedicated to uh, the local church in one way or the other, and so you might call us church people. <laughs> we have been thoroughly immersed in the church culture, and so for the last six years since stepping down as the lead pastor of Church of the Hills... Um, I've had the privilege of being in many, 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 many churches. Quite frankly, some I really liked and some, well, you know. <laughs> but the fact that I didn't like the ones I didn't like means nothing. It's what, what is God seeing and what is God doing? And who is he placed there? We all gravitate to a different style and a different culture. We all have our own... We connect in places, some in some places, and we don't connect in other places. 
That is the extraordinary, extraordinary diversity of God. And he loves that. And what he doesn't love at all is when we take shots at churches that we don't like or don't understand because it's his body. And it's his family. And so I just want to challenge you. This wasn't, by the way, in my notes, so that may give you a hint. (laughs) I just want to challenge you this morning. Be careful. Just be careful. Because uh, in the things that we say, the things that we say expose the condition of our heart. And so let's pay attention to what we say and how we say it, the attitude with which we say it. And let's make sure that whether we understand the rest of the body of Christ, whether we would particularly fit in another expression of the body of Christ, or whether we would particularly like that style or that culture, that is completely irrelevant to God. He didn't ask my opinion about all the rest of his body. He just asked me to do what he does, and that's love, the way he loves. And so the first step, I believe, toward being a healthy church is that we have a healthy appreciation for all of the church, the big C church. So here's some things that I just want to uh, perhaps challenge you with for the next few minutes. I've been doing uh, some study, and you'd think after almost 50 years in full-time vocational ministry, I would have paid attention to some of these things earlier. But you know, when when you're so immersed in the church and... uh, the demands on you every single day of the week are so intense, sometimes you don't pay attention to the things that are obvious. You just do what comes next. Now, that's not only true of us who uh, are assigned by the Lord to lead a church, but that's true of all of us. You know, when we walk out of this door today, we have lives, and sometimes for some of us, the demands on our life are so intense that we just do what comes next without really paying attention to What are the priorities that God has asked me to pay attention to? And so I just want to point out some of the priorities that Jesus asked us to pay attention to. First is this, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, All the stuff that you're so obsessed about, I got it. That's not his words, but it is his words. All that stuff that you're so obsessed about, how are you going to pay the bills? How are you going to, you fill in the blanks. He said, I've got that. I've got that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And then what? All of these things, I'll see to it that you have. It doesn't mean that we become lazy. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, what is a matter of priority to you? And what he's inviting us into is he's saying, what's priority to me, I want you to be priority to you. Therefore, seek first the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about when we're seeking first the kingdom of God, what just, just what is it that we're seeking? Have you ever thought about that? What is it that we're seeking? Well, I would suggest to you that every kingdom is not a kingdom without a king. And I always, always, whenever I'd read this scripture and I'd say, okay, God, I want to seek the kingdom. 
Well, I'm, what, what am I seeking? Well, I want, I, want, I want the power. I want the miracles. I want the whatever. You fill in the blanks. Skipping right past the first priority, which is the king. There is no kingdom without the king. So you can seek all the other stuff that comes with the king all you want to, but you're not going to get it without the king. That's why in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus said, here is the first priority for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Period. Love the Lord your God. Who is the Lord your God? He's the king. Right? <clears throat> I already kind of gave away some of mine and Marquita's journey a little bit. If we've been in vocational ministry for 48 years, that means we've been married longer than that. <laughs> and uh, almost now 51 years. And one of the things that we've discovered in our journey with each other in our 51 years is that we thought we were madly in love when we said yes to each other and, and stood up and, and, and made our vows toward each other. We were, too. We were, we were as in love as we could be at that moment in time. But we did not know each other. Do you understand where I'm going with this? We had no clue. We got married. We moved in together. And we started our life, and all hell broke loose. <laughs> Anybody ever experienced that? You wake up one morning, and you see this beautiful honey that you made these vows to. And you go, who the heck are you? I saw a side of you yesterday I have never seen before. That's the negative side. The positive side is that when we said yes to each other, I brought strengths into this relationship that she didn't know I had, and she brought strengths into this relationship that I didn't know she had. And sometimes those strengths caused us to clash. We were at loggerheads with each other simply because we saw each other's strengths at times as weaknesses. And finally, and I'm, I'm telling you, we've had a wonderful life together. We really have. And God has led us into some extraordinary things. But I will tell you, it did not come without a price. And the depth of your relationship with Jesus will not come without a price. When he says, love the Lord with all your heart. Everybody say heart. When he says, love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, that's just about all of you. And in order for us to do that, we have to discover who he is. So most of us read the biography about him and think we know him. Not so. Respectfully, not so. What we know when we read this biography about him is we know about him. But he's invited us to know him. 
personally, intimately, up close, walk with him. When we stepped down from Church of the Hills, I was out praying one day as I did routinely. And I pray best when I pray prayer walk. So I was out praying one day. And I said, okay, Lord, after all these years of pastoring, what next? And I, I have to be honest with you and say that I didn't like the words that I heard. I had to repent, but nevertheless, I didn't like them. Because I thought he was going to give me this some grandiose plan for what he had for me next, right? You know what he said? Walk with me. Walk with me. Now, I, I didn't think this, almost, although I almost thought it, and I certainly didn't say it. But I'm sure in my heart I felt, that sounds boring. Or, or uninteresting, or... I guarantee you it's not been boring at all. <laughs> so if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God and we want everything that comes with the kingdom of God, the values of the kingdom, the life of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the miracles of the kingdom, you realize the God of miracles lives in you. If we want everything that comes with the kingdom, then the degree to which we receive and experience everything that comes with the kingdom is the degree to which we press more deep, deeply and intimately into relationship with him. Because we said yes to Jesus one time, or because we had an encounter with God a couple of times, still does not mean we know him. Is there anybody in the room that thinks that maybe there's just a whole tub full more of God than we've ever thought about experiencing? I don't believe we'll ever come close to experiencing all of it in this life. But I want as much as I can experience. And I want to know personally and intimately as much as I possibly can. So we're told to seek first the kingdom. I find that in my life over the years, <clears throat> that's been a mixed bag. I have sought first the kingdom, but I've sought first the kingdom because I wanted to build the church. And I wanted to build the church because I wanted to minister to people. But it made me feel good to be able to build the church. Let's just be honest here, can we? But the deal is, not one time... Anywhere in Scripture, Old or New Testament, are we told to build the church? Can't find it. It's not there. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says, The church is the body of Christ. So when you say yes to Jesus, you just joined his body. But we're not told to build the church. Why? Because we are the church. That's who we are. When we say yes to Jesus, that's who we are. And we are his body. So in Romans chapter 12, primarily, 
Paul talks about, again, he talks about how the body is supposed to structure itself with one another so that we can build each other up in our own walk with Jesus. Our strengths can complement others' weaknesses, et cetera, et cetera. We're not to build a church. We're to, we're, we're to become connected with the body so that as a body we become functional. As the representation, we represent Jesus. The problem is, in American culture today, Jesus is represented only inside the walls of the church. But if we're going to be a body that represents, represents Jesus, then somehow we've got to take what we do in here out there so that out there can experience what we receive and experience in here. I can tell... Are you with me? So, in Ezekiel chapter 47, don't turn there, but just, you may want to read it at some point. Ezekiel has this vision about a river of life, and the river of life, by the way, I didn't finish my last thought. In Ephesians chapter 1, we're the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, the scripture says we're like a building, which is a picture of the temple of God. And in Ephesians chapter 3, the scripture says we're God's family. So we're the body, we're like a temple, and we're his family. Families are tough. Natural families are tough. Spiritual families can be tough. But guess what? We so need each other, if we can stick it out, if we can learn to appreciate each other, get past the rough spots, become honest with each other and love each other and learn to value what someone else has and who they are, we grow in our character and grow in our relationships and grow in our strength in life. If we come into the church and some member of the family offends us and we walk out, I'm never going back there. You're just going to go around that mountain again and again and again and again until you get what God wants you to get. I know that was a hard word, but it's a true one. And it was, it was oftentimes discouraging to me because we'd see people come in, become offended, go out. Come in, become offended, go out. Next thing you knew, a pastor friend of mine would say, hey, do you know so-and-so? They, they, they just came from your church. Oh, yeah, I, sh- I sure do. I never would say anything bad about them, but I would pray, God, give him wisdom and grace. <laughs> Help him to do with them what we could not do. So in Ezekiel chapter 47, Ezekiel has this picture of a river, but as it fl- and it's flowing out from the east gate of the temple because the temple faced the east. So this, it's just barely a stream. It's throwing, it's, the water is flowing out from under the threshold of the door of the temple. So it's just barely a stream. But the water is live. And so as the water flows out and it begins to flow downstream, it does what no other river does. It becomes deeper. 
as it flows away from the source, it becomes deeper than it was in the originating source. And the, the other amazing thing about this river of life is that as it flowed out from the temple, it gave life to everything it touched. The trees bore fruit year around. Every tree that that river of life touched, they bore fruit a year around. Anyone that stepped into that water became instantly whole, just like that. I want to suggest to you that that vision was a picture of what the body of Christ is supposed to be today. And do you realize that the further, and I said this, but do you realize the further away from the temple it got, the deeper the water was? It may just be that the water represents the anointing of God, the miracles of God, and the power of God. And we're, we're trying to get those things to happen in here, and God allows that to happen. But why? Because he wants it to flow out of here and touch the people that we touch every day, every single day of the week. So when... When the Bible talks about appointing elders in the church, the elders are not for the purpose of ruling over the church. The elders are for the purpose of coming under and serving not us. They're not our, they're not our bond slaves, but they serve God's interest in us. That is the assignment of the elders. And by the way, that's the assignment of the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the pastors and the evangelists as well. So many times think of, people think about apostles as the top of the pyramid. They're not. They're at the bottom. <clears throat> and, and just right there with them are the prophets. They're not at the top of the pyramid. The Bible says... The church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Because the kingdom that we're seeking is an upside-down kingdom from the systems of the world that we walk in, live in, and work in every single day. So we can't think like the world The church can't be a corporation. When it becomes a corporation, all the relationships become transactional. God called the church to be a living organism, the body of Christ. This may take an hour, Glenn. <laughs> So yes, in the church, we establish community and we learn to live as family and we equip the saints so that as the saints leave the church and go into the neighborhoods, the workplaces, the spheres of influence, we think with a different mind, a renewed mind, a renewed mind, so that in the life of Jesus that we experience in here 
gets imparted to people that we come in contact with out there. You don't have to have a tract with four spiritual laws. You just have to love people. And ask the Lord, what do they need today? My wife and I, on most days, uh, get up, have our cup of coffee, and then we go walk in our neighborhood. We walk a couple of miles. And um, there's usually a lot of uh, runners out there and people who walk. So one of the ladies that we ran into one day, now we're talking... Six o'clock in the morning, and that's so it's still dark and all of that. But anyway, one of the ladies that we ran into lives on our street, and I knew that because she had told me uh, earlier that she had stage four cancer and that she'd been going to MD Anderson. So she was walking her dog that morning, and she seemed really chipper. And so I asked her, Martha, how you doing? And she said, well, you know, she said, uh, I just came back from a visit to M.D. Anderson, and, and uh, they said that I was improved and that the cancer seemed to be shrinking. And I said, oh, really? And I said, well, how do you think that happened? And, and, and she said, well, you know, I guess I'm just lucky. I said, well, you know, uh, Mark Wheat and I have been praying for you ever since you told me we've been praying for you that the Lord would heal you. She said, you know, that's very interesting. She said, I ran into a cashier at HEB the other day. I had never seen her there before, and I've not seen her there since. But she asked me how I was doing, and I I just decided to tell her that I had this cancer. She said, oh, honey, she said, you know, God loves you, and I'm praying for you too. She walked me out to my car, helped me with my groceries, and put them in the car. And I said, well, Martha, I wonder why your cancer is shrinking. I didn't have to, I didn't have to develop religious language and, and use the four spiritual, or quote scripture to her. I just had to care. God is just asking us to care. And to value enough what we receive in here to care about people out there. And when we do that, I guarantee you, we can have a transformational impact on the culture that we live in. I agree with Mark Batterson. Anybody ever read any of Mark Batterson's books? They're great books. This this was in his book, um, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's a great book. I would really recommend it. Here's what Mark Batterson says. He said, we need to stop criticizing culture and start creating it. He said, Paul didn't boycott boycott the Aragopagus. What, how do you pronounce that? Aragopagus. He didn't stand outside with a picket sign. Athenian idolaters are all going to hell in a handbasket. Paul wasn't playing not to lose. Paul was playing to win. So he went toe-to-toe with some of the greatest philosophical minds in the ancient world, and Paul competed for the truth on their turf. Instead of complaining about the current state of affairs, we need to offer better alternatives. We need to make better movies and better music. 
We need to write better books. We need to start better schools and better businesses. As the old aphorism suggests, we need to stop cursing the darkness and start lighting some candles. In the words of Michelangelo, we need to criticize by creating, and we can't create without taking a calculated risk, which is called faith. I believe in prayer. I really do. I so believe in prayer. I believe everything begins and ends in prayer. But there's a point, there's a point folks, where when we finish praying, we need to understand that the God of miracles lives in us and ask him, what encounters do you want me to have with whom today? And if we're praying for revival, forgive me, this is my opinion. So take it for what it's worth. Just don't get mad at me. If we're, pray, if, if, if we're huddled together praying for revival, expecting a sovereign move of God out there, maybe we're missing a major piece, and that is perhaps God wants to move through us out there so that he can actually come through his church to the culture within which we live. We ask the wrong question, I believe, so many times. God, what do you want me to do? Maybe we should ask first, God, who are you? I want to know you more. Ephesians chapter 1. And then I need to know who I am. Once we know who he is, and we walk and live in confidence with respect to who we are, not beggars, not servants, his sons and daughters, once we're able to do that, I promise you, money back guaranteed, I promise you, you'll find yourself far more powerful than you ever thought possible because the God of miracles lives in you. He lives here. You know the God of creation who just spoke? He lives here. So why wouldn't he want to come through us in very powerful ways? Well, that requires faith. And I'll just say this about that. I have a whole message on this, but I'll just say this about that. And that is this. Faith, as Romans 17, I believe it is, says, Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We only hear as good as we are close to Him. I've heard the Lord many, 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 many different ways over the years. I love it. I love it when I pick up the Scripture and I'm reading. And, and I'm reading information, Right? then all of a sudden a passage will leap off the page. That passage becomes rhema. So, Romans 17, here, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. There's two words in the Greek for word. One is logos, the written word. One is rhema, the spoken word. 
When God makes the Logos rhema to us, we can take it to the bank. But it's not the only way he speaks to us. God has spoken to me many, 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 many times through the body of Christ. So if we want to hear the voice of God, we have to establish connection with the body of Christ, the family of God. I'll be sitting in a, in a coffee shop having a conversation with a pastor, and they'll share something with me, and that becomes Raymond to me just like that. I was there mentoring them, and they spoke the word of God to me. God speaks through a still, small voice. People say, how do I know if I can trust what I hear in that still, small voice? Well, the closer you are to him, the more you can trust what you hear. It all comes back to intimacy, doesn't it? That's our first priority. That's the foundation upon which we build. So, my prayer today for myself Marquita and I are praying today, God, we want to go deeper in you than we have ever gone before. And that's a journey that we're on with him. How many of you want to go deeper in him than you've gone before? Well, can I just bless you with that? In fact, would you just hold your hands out in front of you in a posture of receptivity? Lord, I thank you for this family known as River in the Hills. Lord, you have a very, very specific purpose for this body collectively, and you have a very specific purpose for every person in this room individually. So I pray that uh, you would begin to re reveal who you are and reveal to every person in this room who they are. Let it be a revelation, not just a piece of knowledge that they know. Reveal to them who they are. And in so doing... I pray, Lord, that you would open doors for them to be able to step into the purpose that you have for them. Both this church as a church body, as well as every individual in the room. So, Lord, I declare over every person in the room this morning, the prayer that Paul prayed for all of us, I declare that God give you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation that you can know him more, know him better, and know him in a way you've never known him before. In Jesus' name, amen.